Chapter 3 The Love of Money One day, walking along the street, I notice a hundred dollars lying on the ground. As I bend down to pick it up, someone yells out, Stop! Don't touch that! It's drug money! No, it's not. In my hands, it's my money. In my hands, it takes on my nature, my character. In the hands of a gambler, it's gambling money. In the hands of a drug runner, it's drug money. In my hands, it takes on my nature. Ultimately, your money is an extension of you. It takes on your nature. You need money. It can bless you and help you and release God's purposes in and through you. Don't think that money is bad. In the hands of a bad person, it will be used for evil purposes. But in the hands of a righteous person, money will accomplish righteous purposes. You will discover what is important to you when it comes to money. I've heard many people say that money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. Look at what the scripture says. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6.10 The love of money is actually the root of the problem. If you want to overcome evil in your life, look at your heart and its approach to money. This verse declares that a misguided love of money is the root of every kind of evil. The love of money can be the cause behind many problems, and in order to break free, you need to identify the condition. So, what does love of money look like? Being rich doesn't mean you love money. This is what a lot of people generally presume. Those who have money, love money. It's a common misconception to judge people according to their possessions. If we went out into the church car park and found a brand new 7 Series BMW, would that vehicle prove the owner loved money? No! They may be contributing more to the kingdom in one year than any of us. The type of car a person drives doesn't prove anything. What about the size of a person's house? How do we measure a love of money? Is anything up to 20 square metres spiritually acceptable, but anything over that? Well... That constitutes a love of money. Obviously, there is no evidence in these possessions that prove a love of money. So, what is the test? The love of money is an attitude. So, how do you recognise it? Here are five questions that will help you know whether or not you love money. What is your reaction to giving? Are you the sort of person who says... I am not going to give them anything for Christmas because they didn't give me anything last year. When it is time to take up the offering at church, what is your response? Do you love it or do you react? Look at what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It is as simple as that. If your treasure is giving, then that is what your heart will leap toward. You will look forward to any opportunity to give. The subject of giving money really challenges people and it makes many defensive and uncomfortable. If their treasure is money, what do you think their heart is going to leap to defend? These are the people who say, all the church ever talks about is money. Along with defensiveness comes the excuse, well, I was going to give, but the longer he went on about it, the more he talked me out of it. 
Do such excuses or justifications come into your mind? If you love money, you will feel nervous when the subject of giving comes up and will inevitably find reasons why not to. If your heart is right, you will warm to the concept of giving and rejoice when you have the opportunity. Do you resent what others have? I used to have a land cruiser, which I eventually sold to somebody in our church. One day he came out to discover somebody had taken a sharp object and scratched every panel of the car, through the paintwork to the bare metal. Obviously, stealing is wrong, but it's understandable in the sense that the thief hopes to gain something out of it. Yet, to deliberately damage somebody else's car is pathetic. Why would someone do that? They resent the fact that somebody has what they didn't have. Their actual problem is the love of money, and it causes them to act that way. Envy, a judgmental spirit or resentment of other people's wealth, identifies a person with a love of money. No matter what circumstances you are facing in your own life, your attitude to other people should be consistent. In my life, I have been through times of plenty and times without, but that hasn't changed the fact that I've always enjoyed seeing other people prosper or get blessed. One of the keys to experience blessing in your own life is to have a great spirit about what other people have. Rejoice with those who rejoice and enjoy seeing other people blessed. Paul was content to live with things or without things. No matter what we are experiencing in our own life, our attitude to other people shouldn't change. You will know if you love money by your attitude to what other people have. Are you taking shortcuts? Dishonest deals and tax avoidance is not only evidence of a love of money, but incurs a curse. As a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by right. It will leave him in the midst of his days, and at his end he will be a fool. Jeremiah 17, 11. One of Australia's most infamous fugitives, Christopher Scazy, has been on the run for many years and ended up living in a mansion on the island of Mallorca off the coast of Spain. In spite of incredible wealth, he created his own prison. In the 1980s, he lived the high life, but now is perhaps Australia's most disliked man. He had great riches, but there were many questions about his financial affairs with accusations of dishonest dealings. As this scripture declares, in his middle age, he is considered a fool. You may not be in the same league as a fraudulent millionaire, but are you the kind of person who doesn't pay a bill, perhaps leaving it 90 days to another person's detriment? There is only one way to build your life, and that is the right way. Trying to build more money into your life through deceitful means will only position you under a curse. Do you hold things too tightly? Have you heard about the guy who put a five dollar note in the offering, but he held it so tightly that the queen had a tear in her eye? Many people are ruled by what they cannot afford and become tight-fisted in the process. Consider this scenario. I've heard of people who, when wanting to buy something for their home, discover they can get the same item, ten pounds cheaper, in another suburb, over an hour away from where they live. They'll drive across town to buy their bargain and then drive back again, 
consuming time, energy, and petrol money for the sake of $10. There is a fine line between good stewardship and being tight-fisted. Good stewardship involves godly wisdom. I travel extensively to different countries, and for various reasons, people tell me don't give beggars anything, usually because it can be a money-making scam. Then one day I really thought about it. Since I don't really know what their motives are, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. If there is change in my pocket, I'll give it to them. On one specific trip, I was walking down the street in LA when I spotted the actor Jack Nicholson waiting for a valet to bring his car. There weren't many people around, so he wasn't putting on a show for anyone. On the corner, a guy in a wheelchair rattled a can for money. I saw him approach Jack Nicholson, who reached into his pocket, gave the guy a big high five, and handed him some money with a huge smile on his face. What a great attitude. I know there will be people who mumble, well, he can afford it. However, not everyone who can afford it has that kind of free spirit. Their love of money is too much. To be a good steward over what God has given you, don't hold on too tightly. It will reveal a love of money. Is money too high on your agenda? You must never be ruled by or live according to money alone. The Bible clearly teaches that God wants you to prosper, but prosperity doesn't only refer to money. Money represents a small portion. If you understand the power of godly prosperity, you will witness it across all areas of your life. I took time to write down the greatest blessings in my life, the things that make me feel prosperous. Number one is my family. The older I get, the more I adore them. Never allow money to rob you of family. People get deceived into thinking that they are blessing their families by earning more money for them. Yet there is a fine line. Don't lose or hurt your family in the pursuit of money. The second thing on my list was friendships. Healthy church life spoils you with many friends, and these close, intimate friends are among the greatest blessing in my life. They are those whom I trust with my life, and who stand firm in tough times. Their friendship has been proven in the fire. It is sad when two friends go into partnership together, and then money wrecks the friendship. If money can destroy a friendship, then money is too high on the priority list. Health is another thing I wrote down on my list. I have been blessed with great health, but I know it seems to be the one thing appreciated only when one loses it. If you are struggling with your health, know that it is the will of God to see you whole and healthy. Health is one of the promises of God for our lives. The opportunity to serve God is one of the blessings of a prosperous life. Not only does it give you complete satisfaction and fulfilment, but you are able to contribute to the kingdom of God. What an honour to be chosen and deemed worthy to be involved in his purposes. The love of money isn't measured by how big your house is or what car you drive. It is measured in the inner man. It is an attitude that wants to hold on rather than release and has the capacity to contain and rob you.